it's weird that my life has just felt easier. Yeah. It's, well, it's Which is mad. And one interesting thing that I didn't think would happen was that I've enjoyed parties more. Welcome to Series 2 of the One Year No Beer Podcast. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, then hit that button so you don't miss another episode. Welcome to another episode of the One Year No Beer Podcast. Today, I am joined by no other than Paul Mort who is a two-times UK Master Coach of the Year. You need to tell me about that. Best-selling Audible author. Can't wait to hear about that. And keynote speaker. In 2014, after moving to Marbella and building a successful business, Paul became suicidal. Since then, he has transformed his life and through his personal experiences, results, book, videos, world-class coaching, and keynote speaking, has inspired thousands of men to do the same and get their shit together for their business and families. Little side note here. There will be more swearing. <laughs> if you are sensitive and not used to swearing on this podcast, then now the time is Man, to Anybody that's too on one year no BI is used to swearing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's definitely some, some swearing left. Do you know what I love about what you just did there? When I do a podcast sometimes and they say, oh, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. And I'm thinking, sure, that's your fucking job. Have you done any uh, research here? <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I'm like, really? Because it's a long story, that, right? Yeah. And obviously we wrote that and shrunk it down. Yeah. Because no one kind of, it, it, you don't want it to turn into, well, I left school and this. That's and right. then next thing you know, you're three hours late and no one's learned anything except about what Your, GCSEs you got. Yep. <laughs> By the way, one of mine was Spanish. Well done. One of me there too. You uh, that's you why better say muy bien. Is that, is that why? <laughs> my, I've been there two years and that's about all I can really? say. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's is shocking. It? It's shocking. Well, do you know what happened I to me, I'm mate? Like, well, it's mad. When yeah. I went to Spain, I hadn't spoken any Spanish since I passed GCSE and I'm sure... I passed Spanish and French, and I'm sure I only passed those two because it was an oral exam. I'm not saying I'm amazing at talking, yeah, but I, I, so. am. I am. But I hadn't, and I hadn't spoken any Spanish, and then I moved to Marbella, and then I remember being drunk one night, which is a regular occurrence there, Yeah. and the taxi driver, I was like, where are you going? And no shit, I was so pissed, and I'd only just moved there that I couldn't remember, but I said, this is mad, I said, Plaza de Toro, Estepona. You know what that means? Pl- yeah, the, the, the bull the, ring. The bull. <laughs> I can't remember learning that. And then I was like, oh, well. And then I started just remembering random bits of Spanish. It's weird, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sick. I so see, thank you for that intro, mate. No problem. No problem. And um, the, I mean, learning Spanish has been an absolute challenge for me. Absolutely. There, yeah. are, there, are, there are many challenges up there. But um, I have spent the last uh, few hours, well, a uh, couple of days, in fact, driving um, up here to Newcastle from Mallorca. Amazing. Um, and I've had quite a lot of time with you. Uh, oh, listening to you. your uh, <gasps> listening to some of the podcasts and, uh, and stuff like that. Jesus. So uh, it's been very enjoyable. You're like that poor kid Connor that's not here to do that works for me who has to edit every podcast, <laughs> clean, tidy up every video, edit everything. Yeah. And I'm like, you're not sick of my voice. And he's like, you kind of after a while you become you must become numb to it. <laughs> Uh, no, it's good. It's good. It's it's very um, you know. It's re- you're you're up to amazing things. You've got you, an man. amazing story. Thank you, man. Um, and you're up to really good stuff. You know, the thing is, I'm similar to you. I'm very passionate about uh, men supporting men in particular. You know, and um, you know, alcohol and it's so prevalent in society. No one wants to talk thing. about it. Is what I find, mate. And I think that if you are ahead in the game a bit, and you've you know done a bit of work on yourself, and you've expressed emotions, I think we have a right, you know, a duty. 
to I, try and that's I was just gonna say yeah. I feel like I have a duty to tell people about it. And so. sometimes when I've been particularly when I'm talking about this non alcohol thing, I'm like I keep prefacing it with I don't want to sound like a fucking vegan crossfitter. Yeah, I heard which that is many not times. Spanish. <laughs> it's not Spanish for um annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But it's like it's it's a really interesting thing that I, when I'm talking about it, I always preface it with that. Yeah. So it's a and I say that about a lot of things, but I say yeah. So so the vegan CrossFitter in your mind is a vegan, so they never stop talking about it, and b CrossFitter, therefore they never stop talking about it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's the double yeah. whammy. And you know what's weird? I'd love to be. I'd love to actually, it's an interesting, because I've actually got a lot of respect for both for that, because <laughs> I'm like part of his wishes I had the discipline to, to be vegan, but I also love meat. Part of his wishes that I had the discipline and the 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 enthusiasm to do CrossFit. So it's an interesting thing, and that's one of the the most powerful things I've learned on my journey is that everything that I do now, at some point in my life, I've taken the piss out of. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like it's some fucking one year no beer. What's the matter with you? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Then you'd be like meditation. What's the what? Yeah. Journaling. What yeah. are you, sixteen-year-old female? Are you sixteen-year-old school? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Same with jujitsu. Same with ice baths. What do you want to do that for? You fucking idiot. Yeah. It's a strange thing, that, isn't it? It is. So, so um, you, you, it's difficult not to cross that line of evangelical and everything else. Meanwhile, being so passionate about it, because, like you said, right? I mean, meditation is a big part of your journey. Um, and and recovery from bipolar disorder and being in severe meds and things like that yeah. and 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 so knowing what most people are told, which is oh you need to take these pills, you probably need to take them for the rest of your life. You know this is the way you're going to be. Yeah. To discovering something that changes your life so significantly, how do you not tell everyone? <laughs> it's such a it's such a mad thing, you know. Because at the start I was very wary of that, but then I think what happened was, and this is where I think I'm still at and why it resonates with a lot of people. I'm not just talking about it. Yeah. People, and this is why I love it when, I mean, we, me and you have been in conversation for randomly at quite random times in my lives, haven't we? Yeah, How long yeah. would you say? I don't know, quite a few years. Before so I decided to do one year no beer. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of, I think what people get is now that, and, and I, I remember this year I went to Rome to do a jujitsu camp with one of my clients that's worked in my program with me for maybe three years, right, Mike? And he's into jujitsu. We went there, went to the Roma match and that. Um, and he, on the plane, he said, Paul, you fucking, like, I've never spent that much time. And we've been to my office. We've done like a half day consult, done a lot of zooming together as you do. And he's like, Paul, you actually live this shit. <laughs> he was like, he said, I had a conversation with your wife about, I wonder what, if he's like, when I'm living, I lived with him for a week. Mm. He said, I wonder what he's like. I wonder whether that's just a zoom thing or a, or a, a show thing. Yeah. And he's like, you actually live this shit. And then funny enough, he started being more adherent to what I was teaching. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, completely. So, and I think that's the big difference between where you've, we're at is that we're living it. Yeah, well, you've got it up and I actually came in upstairs first. I, I went into the wrong room. I oh, well, it was ceiling. hear you then. on a call up there. I just yeah. heard expletive, expletive, expletive. <laughs> so I was Loud. thinking that, that poor person who's being coached there. <laughs> um, but up on the wall, Did you it come says, in on the bit where I was talking about anal sex? <laughs> we're going to we're gonna come on to something about anal later. Oh, really? Um, but the... Um, Do I have to wait? <laughs> no, <laughs> no you're not coming weird. here. That sounded weird. You've just created the best open loop. Oh, sorry, open yeah. hoop. <laughs> open loop, hoop, open hoop. That I've ever heard yeah, of. Yeah, no, I'm going to leave that as a suspense. All right, so. amazing, just... amazing, amazing. <laughs> but you've, had it up, you've got it up on the wall up there, uh, lead by example. I, I, I'd love that to be my middle name. I'd like it. It's just, and I, the truth is, 
I'm not 100% congruent all the time. I mean, Sometimes know. the meditation doesn't happen. Sometimes these things don't happen, but that is the way I am. I'm, I'm like this. But in general, I want the experience the same as you have of somebody to come and see your life and be like, oh, how no, have you're you done living that? this. Yeah, how have you done that? Yeah. yeah, and I think that the lead by example thing is interesting because I actually, you think about leading by example, I'm honest about it as well. Like I'm honest that I am an example of if I fuck up, I'm going to, I'm going to say I fucked up and I'm going to learn from it. So I think that's an example as well. Yeah. But yeah, to, um, that's always a, 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 a real interesting thing. And people ask me, well, you'll get it all the time. How do I help support someone? Yeah. How do I help a family member? How do I help this? I'm like, you kind of, this is a horrible thing to say, but I learned it from one of my coaches, Peter. He said, you've got no right to help anybody. He said, because help is an invitation. Mm-hmm. So not everyone's going to take the invitation, but the best invitation you could possibly extend is the invitation of example. And I Amazing. love this. Have you heard the Amazing. lighthouse and, and tugboat analogy? Yeah, ex- okay, go. I love that analogy. Yeah. So it's like the difference between, so a tugboat goes out and tries to rescue everybody yeah. and and drag them into shore with them. And it, the tugboats, you never notice the tugboat's always fucked. <laughs> like it's always got, it's always got, it's always rusty and it's always got like black steam coming out the top of it and that. Whereas a lighthouse just shines there, shining its light, like come here if you want to come here. Yeah. Or avoid these rocks or just if you want to join me join me but if you don't i'm not going to come and try and rescue you yeah. and i definitely fell into that trap at some point in my coaching career where I'd take it personally if people didn't follow along and do what i said and, yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you, you, I mean this is so key in in alcohol and we're gonna we're jumping all over the place yeah. as we would do bipolar and adhd i, I mean <laughs> I, i'm like you brought loads of questions and i'm well i haven't even done any yet no no it's, that's, the, that's best the best way they're yeah. the best way but um uh, what I was going to say is, you know, with people with their relationship with alcohol, and we see this so much, you know, one individual wants to change as part of a couple of relationship and they get a week or two weeks down the line and they're like, right, come on, are you going to do it too? And it's like, whoa, 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 right? You know, your concept of changing your relationship with alcohol started three years ago, mm. right? When you were thinking that hangover is enough for me and you went through this whole cycle yeah, that's to so finally get to this point here where you're taking a break and now you're expecting your partner to do it after two weeks. That's really interesting. I've no. never heard that before. No. I've never even thought about that before. So lead by example, be the lighthouse, yeah. do it for six months, a year, right? And then once you've sorted your shit out first, got yourself into a really good spot, then be like, hey, do you need to, are you interested in coming along with me? But don't do any judgment. Because part of them is going to be like, why the fuck would I listen to you? Yeah, exactly. I, I'll see it with guys all the time. Guys learn meditation. Guys get on the booze free thing. Guys do certain things. And then they start, expect it's almost like we expect everyone else to join in and i'm like mate the problem is your wife's heard you say this for 15 years that you're going to stop doing this and you're going to yeah. start doing that and this, this time's different and that i get it with guys i just want my wife to support me on the course mm. i'm like well stop talking about it and start fucking being about it then yeah do you know what i mean yeah completely. stop talking about it and stop being about it i remember this year i heard I've had a hard on for this guy, Dr. Joe Dispenza, this year. Amazing. Done a lot of work with him, did the seven-day advanced retreat, which blew me head off. Right. And he says something like, the moment you know change is happening is when you stop talking about it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's, it's so simple, but it's kind of profound because I'm, and this, I suppose, happened for me is kind of when I stopped preaching and started just doing it. Mm. Suddenly, people started more paying more attention. Coming with like, even now, yeah. I still get poor, yeah. me, me mates, me old, so I haven't dropped any, people talk about dropping your peer groups and that, right, and getting rid of your friends and that. I'm like, I don't see the need to do that unless mm-hmm. you're trying to convince them to do the same. Yeah. My mate's still, he's still doing that weird meditation shit. <laughs> I am John Link. You know, I still get asked that all the time. Exactly. And, it, and it's, the, the, the whole peer pressure thing, which I hope we're calling it, was a real interesting thing because I never 
because I'm so honest about it, no one ever says, are you sure you don't want to drink? Mm. And I think that's one of the keys is like, because I've said, I'm not going to drink this year because it makes us feel like this and because I've got this going on. From the outset, no one's ever tried to peer pressure us. Yeah. Well, because I'm not that, trying to do it in private either. I th- so let's let's get into a bit of your story because um, I think there's there's actually there's some steps before the year. Oh, big okay, ones, we yeah. didn't go from Marbella no. to doing a year <laughs> off booze, yeah. and lots of our people, lots of one year no beer members do. Um, but so there was a there was a more of a gradual change or change yeah. for you. But so let's go back to tell me a bit of background about yes, Marbella and where you were at. So 2010, I started. So I've been self-employed since I was fucking hell 19 so 1999 2010 was the point in my life where i started to actually build something 1980 1980 i was born yeah what, what, what day uh 27th of september okay here's a mad story than me is it <laughs> so here's a mad story about the 27th of september for about 30 years of my life i told everybody my birthday was on the same day as hulk hogan's <laughs> found out last year that it wasn't oh his birthday is in fucking August. <laughs> and I was like, it must be someone, the only p- famous person's birthday on 20s was fucking Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> so all of my clients for my birthday sent us Hulk Hogan. I got about 30 Hulk Hogan birthday cards. Someone even sent us a, a life-size Hulk Hogan. Amazing. Like a cardboard cutout. Anyways. <laughs> but I just say, never let the truth get in the way of a lie. How many people are actually going to Google? The, the, the lie wasn't even useful. <laughs> it wasn't even a useful lie. Anyway, so from 19 till... So 2010, before my son was born, I started actually making some money and no one in my family was successful. Mm-hmm. They weren't losers and jobless. They weren't on the, they, they weren't, they weren't, my dad worked in the same factory for 35 years. Me mom worked in Asda for 15 years, right? Mm-hmm. Like me sister. You're it, from here. You're yeah, from here. here, from South Shields. Yeah. Um, and it's not an affluent town at all, not even close. And in 2010, I started seeing success and I kind of didn't know how to deal with it. Mm. I started getting criticism. I was like, no one talked shit about me until I started making something myself. Yeah. I had this what money. What were you doing? Personal training. Yeah. So I was running these outdoor boot camps and mate, we were doing good money. Like I started doing eight grand month, nine grand month, 10 grand month, all cash. Mm. What the fuck do you do with this? I never, never been taught anything about money. Never even been taught. Like this was all, this was all on pure hustle. No help, no support, no grants, no family member to turn to and say, how do I do this? This is just all hustle and fucking Tony Robbins yeah. box sets. Do you know what I mean? This is all I need is within, within me now. now. Yes, all, no, all that, right? Within me You know now. that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Massive Tony. So fan. it was all hustle. It was all that kind of shit, cutting all the people out. And anyway, I just didn't know what to do with it. So I was like, I didn't have my first line of coke until I was 20 or something. Mm. So that wasn't really a thing. Interesting. And then I was just like, right, I've got all this money. What do you do with it? Well, you buy a nice car, you party hard, you do mm-hmm. loads of drugs and that. And then I got into this point, mate, where part of the problem with personal development, I was like, oh, well, what you need to do is cut all of the negative people out of your life. So I did mm-hmm. and moved to Marbella because there was no one. And I only realized this in the last few years where I'm like, actually, everyone likes to complain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone likes to complain. So, it, And again, one thing I talk about in my live show is if I think you're negative... What does that make me? It means I'm negative, right? Right, right? So I cut all of the people out. I removed all the toxic people like you're supposed to. And I and I moved to Marbella where there was just me. Didn't know anyone there. Yep. Me, a newborn son, and my wife, who six months later was pregnant. And in Marbella, because I didn't know anyone, I just became isolated. Yeah. Didn't know loneliness anyone. Loneliness through the roof. Nah, loneliness through the roof. 
I met a couple of people. One of them happened to be a drug dealer. So actually, the drinking and the sniffing, which I didn't think was a problem when I was at home, because yeah. I was around people that were doing the same, it got worse because I was lonely. Mm. So I wasn't even going out and doing it anymore. I was doing it sitting around the pool. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. just, and it became more of a problem. So when I was there, also the problem, and I don't know whether you had this when you first moved abroad, was that suddenly everyone was your best mate <laughs> and they wanted to come and visit you. Oh, well, that's fine. I lived two streets away from you when I was in South Shields. Yeah. I didn't see much of you then, mate. Um, anyway, so that became, the way I describe it, it was like a two-year lads holiday. Yeah. The way you feel after a week with the lads, you're like, oh, shit, it was like that for two years. Wow. Put five stone on. And I started having wow. just these, and I had a successful business. That was the problem. So I had a different business by Still this point. Still running a, a fitness business. So the fitness business, I kind of sold almost all of that. And I started a supplement company which I sold in 2015, start of 2015. Um, but then I was doing the marketing, so I was teaching marketing. So I had a bit of the fitness business. I was teaching other personal trainers how to make money. Mm -hmm. So I had that, that was successful as well. But it was all online, which sounds amazing, but it's fucking lonely, man. Mm, it's lonely, exactly, man. Yeah. Lonely. So while I was there, I started having these, I'd spend most of my days arguing with people on the internet, right? And then my weekends just very lonely drinking and I'd have these meltdowns where I'd be like in the car and I'd be like fuck I can't do this and then I remember one time in particular I was in Estepona next to the Plaza de Toro <laughs> and I just had this meltdown in a car park my wife was like you need to go to the doctors so I saw a doctor there and obviously it's in Spain so you have a private doctor and he originally said he was like oh you've got ADHD I said oh okay didn't give us any meds. He said, come back in a few weeks. He said, you've got ADHD. He said, slow down. Give me a bit of advice. I can't even remember what it was. My memory of the time in Marbella is sketchy as fuck. Mm -hmm. yep. Because I was either drinking and sniffing or low, very low. Yeah. That was my memory of that time. Um, funny enough, I did five ADHD tests last week and I passed them all with flying colors. Wow. Mad. One of them may as well have been the, it wasn't do you have age, it may as well have been do you, no, do you Paul Maud? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. It was like a game of guess who, but I was the thing, I was like, what, that's me. But anyway, then he said, right, he gave us antidepressants after that. They seemed to make it worse. Yeah. Like they seemed to make it worse. And then it got to the point where we had to move home. I remember the incident. There was an incident where when I actually lived in Marbella for two years, I'd moved house four times. Who does that? Mm -hmm. Moved house four times. It must be the area. Yeah. It must be all oh, the apartments too small. Neighbors are too loud. Just had all these different, it was like I was running away from something. Yeah. So I ended up, I joined this CrossFit gym, tried to get in shape because at this point I was five stone overweight and had no friends. Making a lot of money. Leslie hated me. Mm. And I was training this CrossFit gym. And I remember one day we went out, I went out on the booze with the guy that owned the CrossFit gym. Me, him and his brother. We got pissed, snorted loads of coke, and then all of a sudden they just turned on me and beat the shit out of me. Oh, wow. These were people that, the same day, that had lunch with my, my wife and uh, my pregnant wife and my fucking six-month-old son. So they beat me up, and I was like, I got home, I opened the door, my six-month-old son, he, he, I think he was older than that, actually, at the time. He was two when we moved home, so it must have been a, must have been a year old. He was walking, actually. And uh, he, he answered the door, and my fucking shirt's ripped. My teeth are out. I had my teeth knocked out. My nose is to one side. And my wife was like, we need to go home. Wow. We need to go home. We stayed there for a little bit longer and she had, she had Nina was born there. And we came home and obviously she's relieved because you got to think about this. She's got a two-year-old, a newborn, or an 18-month-old and a newborn and me. 
no one else. Yeah. So she's like, well, fucking need to go home. Exactly, yeah. And the so problem what? is, I got home, mate, and it got worse because I didn't realise it was that that was the problem. So now I'm home. Oh, I love being home. I saw my old mates again. Yeah. Easier to get gear. Yeah. Because I've got more numbers. Easier to find people to drink with mm. because I've got lads, I've got friends that were working offshore, so they'd be home through the week. Yeah. Be lads that wanted shift workers that wanted to get on it, so I found it easier. And then it got towards that December that year. And it was the 19th of December, actually. Is the 19th of December today? I think it is. 19th of December today. So eight years ago today. Um, Good timing. I was going to kill myself. Wow. Eight years ago today. That's wild. Whew. Yeah. So this one day, obviously there'd been a build-up of this. I remember leaving the house. I'd, I'd have been on the booze at the weekend. And I remember leaving the house and I was just like, fuck it, I can't do this anymore. And I'd go on these long drives. Like, mate, during that time home, I'd disappear for two or three days at a time. Mm-hmm. It was all a cry for help. I'd turn my phone off. I'd check it just to make sure someone had t- And then I'd just yeah. turn it off. It was all a cry for help. And then this one day, I went on a long drive and I drove to them, the cliffs that I've spoken about before. And I was just like, my overriding thought was, like, no one would even give a fuck if I killed myself. Mm. These people that I go out and drink with, they don't care. My mum and dad don't give a fuck. I mean, I hadn't, I wasn't messaging anybody and telling them what was wrong with me. Um, and then I always get criticised for this for some reason because my wife was there. My wife had ran up to the cliffs. She left my daughter in the car. That's wild, that. So my daughter was maybe, she was born in the May. This was the December. So she was like six, seven months old. She left her in the car to kind of rescue me. And everyone's like, but why was she there? Did you tell her? I was like, she was there because every time I left the house, she never knew if I was going to come back. So of course she was fucking, she'd follow me up and down the coast all of the time because that, the prop, the coast beautiful, but it's a long stretch of road. It's a long stretch of road and so many people a year jump off them cliffs. It's wild, mate. Yeah. Drive off them. It's wild. Um, And she said to me the words that changed my life, which a lot of people have heard by now, which she said to me, think about the kids. And I was like, I am thinking about the kids. I was so, there's no logic when you're that low, so it's all emotion. And I said, I am. They'd be better off without me. And she said, well, think about them growing up then as those kids whose dad killed himself. And there was like, something went off then. And I wasn't, and it was almost like, okay, let's go then. I was like, I can't, what are you going to say to that? Yeah. It's funny, my wife said, says to me, and I didn't know this until probably <clears throat> last year, she did a little She did a little edit on, a, on my first book. She did a little, uh, she got interviewed. And she said, she actually considered letting me do it because she didn't want to see me. <clears throat> she didn't want to see me in that much pain. Yeah. In that, I was in like, really? She yeah. thought it was her fault. Yeah. She was like, does this mean I'm a shit wife? I'm a shit mother? And then she said she was actually considered she was very close to saying, well, okay, if it gets you out of this much pain and suffering, then do it. Isn't that wild? It's wild. Yeah. It was a very interesting conversation. That we, we only had that conversation last year. Yeah. Um, But it, it didn't even get better from then. It was a wake-up call. It was a wake-up call that I needed. But even then, I couldn't. Just, just, just before I'd been you... diagnosed bipolar. I mi- almost missed that part out. Part of Marbella was that they diagnosed me bipolar there. Right. But he couldn't treat it. And he was like, it's not really a thing in Spain. He said, it's not really a thing. So I came back home and they put me on all sorts of meds. I saw all sorts of shrinks. I'd actually started a, during that time between the May 
or the June and the December, I'd actually started to do a little bit. I'd actually started to think, well, maybe this is me. Mm. Maybe I have created this. Maybe my lifestyle's got something to do with it. Maybe I should get in shape. And I started, I'd been over at the States, did a course in the States, learned about, I'd learned a bit about meditation then. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem with that is, and I think it's a real problem with personal development, is now I saw, now I knew better, but I wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So for a long period of my life, I was doing shit and then just thinking, well, I didn't link my behavior to the way that I felt. Yeah. I didn't link my habits to the situation I was created. I was always like, oh, I was a bit of a victim. And the annoying thing is you have to make that link yourself. The the yeah. doctors and yeah. all of these, a lot of them are not making... telling you that. <laughs> oh, I've got bipolar. It's getting better. You're bipolar. But not... But then once I found the tools and I wasn't using them, it made me feel worse. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It was like I started to become aware that, well, I, I know what to do and now I'm not doing it. Before, I didn't know what to do. So it was like, before I was unconscious incompetence, I would yeah, call it. Yeah. But now I was consciously incompetent. I mm-hmm. knew that what I was doing wasn't right. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't realize that drinking's a problem or that sniffing's a problem. No, it's exactly. just what you do. Exactly. It's just what lads do. That's it's just right. what blokes do this. But then I was, so I was consciously incompetent. And now I was like, I was shit. And I knew I was shit. Mm. Whereas before I was shit and I didn't know I was. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It's like you, you think you're good at golf until you try and hit the you ball. You didn't know what to do. You nah. didn't know, but now you've moved into the place so where you now I've got think this, you know what you do. Yeah, now I've got this guilt and shame around yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. Which exactly. made it worse. Yeah. Um, and still, it was my fault. But now I was like, it's my fault. It's my fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was double. So then, so that was the December. And then even a few days later, Christmas Day, I remember it. My, my family weren't even in my house with me because I couldn't. I was so volatile. I was like, Leslie went to her mum and dad's for Christmas Day. And a lady called Donna had came around and she had been drinking on the Christmas Eve. And she came around and she just gave me a look. I'm trying to get her on my podcast, but I can't get her on, right? She gave me a look. She didn't even say anything. That was like, she just looked at me over the top of her glasses. And it was like, well, you know one of those looks where you're like, she means business here. It was just a look of, you need to get your fucking shit together. Yeah. And then that was the second wake-up call that I got. Yeah. And then obviously it's been a big turnaround since then. It's amazing that that moment marked so much for you. Can you even say anything? You, you you were on suicide watch. Suicide watch. Yeah. On the day, Donna's in the in the South Tyneside community support. It's yeah. called community, I think it's called community support. Something like that, which is basically suicide watch. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, and that moment of not saying anything was like, oh, yeah, mm. this is, I need to do something about this. The moment of yeah. igniting some change inside. Yeah, at you. that point in my life, mate, I was on the strongest meds you can get. Yeah. For bipolar, it's called it's called lithium. Yeah. And they what they gave me that. But I think the challenges that I had at that point, mate, I was at that period of my life, mate, I was still some days I wasn't even drinking, but I was having lines of coke off my desk in the middle of the day yeah. to feel something. Mm. Because the, the these pills that I got because obviously bipolar, you're told you get extreme highs and extreme lows. Yeah. And these meds balance it out. Supposedly. But the problem was is that I went from feeling extreme highs and extreme lows to feeling fuck all. Yeah, exactly. So I was like a zombie. So I was doing lines of coke off my desk before I jumped on a, what was before Zoom? Go-to meeting. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Yep. Go-to meeting. Uh, then Zoom took over the world. Um, I'd, I'd have a line of coke before I went on there just to give me some energy. That's all I could feel. And then, yeah, that those were... There must some dark times, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to mention with you is um, I had a couple of suicide attempts um, from a young age. Yeah. And the thing was, 
Um, it's it's not the, you know, I hear some people talk about suicide and they say, well, how can you do that? Or how can you do that to your family? Or how can you be so selfish? And that is not what is happening no inside the brain. No. Right? And, and, and the thing is, it is the world is better off without me here. Like I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm a doing favor. people a favor yeah. if I execute on and this. And I think it's, a, and again, I've never been a woman, so I don't know, but I think it can feel especially difficult for a man it, because this is when people say, this is my problem with it. I think it's just talk message is great. But what if it's not the answer? What mm. the fuck do you say? Yeah. Who to? You already feel like a fucking burden. You already feel like an inconvenience to everybody. Yeah. You already feel like you're letting everybody down. So talking about it feels like it would be worse. That's why. And I'm like, why do people not do it? I'm like, that's exactly why they don't do it. Because yeah. you already feel like a fucking loser. So, and, and my message is, what if there's something else that isn't? talking yeah. i've seen people talk and continue the same fucking habits yeah. you know what i mean i yeah. needed to walk the fuck up i didn't need someone to put their arm around me and tell me everything was okay mm. i need something that i need something that woke me the fuck up yeah one of them was that wake up warrior program that i did one of them was my wife and then one of them was donna yeah all basically got to the point where it was like stop fucking lying stop yeah. bullshitting get a handle on it um so yeah the whole the, the whole feeling like i was a burden was massive for me yeah like, i was convinced that I wasn't doing it to my family. I was doing it for them. Mm. I was doing it for them because, again, I wasn't a guy that was. I wasn't the guy that was really quiet, and people didn't know that I had a problem. I was very vocal about it because I disappear. Yeah, I'd yeah. be on the booze and I'd be on the sniff and I'd be volatile. Yeah, very volatile. So it wasn't as though it would have been a surprise to my wife that I did it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I did genuinely believe that they would be better off without my emotional outbursts. Leslie would be better off without having to deal with me as well as two kids. My kids would be better off without an angry dad that was fucking throwing things and slamming doors and would disappear. Like, I honestly thought that I would be doing it for them. Yeah. Yeah. So um, getting yourself out of this, tell me. Tell me how you turned <sighs> this around. Shit. One of the things, this is going to sound mad, one of the things that helped me with this, and this is something that I believe to this day now, was just this simple concept of in, in creating a future. I couldn't see a future. Stop, this simple concept of just setting some goals, creating a bit of a mission, something to get stuck into. So for me back then, it actually started with getting physically better, mm -hmm. physically in shape. Yep. And I tried. The, the, one of the benefits that I had at that time in my life was because I was a PT, I had access to some of the best people in the world, but I didn't do it. I was like, oh, and this is another challenge that I had. I even turned my office into a fucking gym. I knew people. I knew a friend of mine, Gregory, actually kitted out my whole gym. Mm -hmm. My whole office was a gym, amazing kit, and I still didn't do it. And then one day, I remember my friend. So I'm also, so I'm, again, I've got some great contacts in that field. My friend actually, I've got a friend called Andy who started a company called Boxer Size. You'll have heard of it. Everyone's tried to take them on and never got anywhere near it's the industry leader and I know the guy that started that and I got my friend on a course with him and he said, mate, I need to practice holding the pads. He took me on the pads and I was like, oh, fucking hell, I'm out of shape. And then he, said, he came to my office he said, you fancy doing some sparring? Never done it before. I was like, aye, fuck it. And he punched me in the face and I was like, fuck, I like a bit of this. <laughs> and that changed my life because mm. now I'd felt alive. I mm. felt something. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps right now and I was like, fuck, Ah, uh, this is a bit of me. This, I mean, it hurt. Yeah, and I ended up <laughs> fucking hell. I got my nose broken multiple times, but it hurt. But I was like, oh shit, this is the thing. And then I started looking. I started looking forward to exercising, mm -hmm. and then 
I started, just that was the kickstart for me. The boxing yeah. woke me up. Yeah. And I started to, because any doctor you go to is going to be like, have you thought about exercising? Yeah. And I was exercising. I can't even open the fucking curtains, mate. Yeah. The problem that I had actually when I was that low <laughs> is that when I was that low, there's no way I was going to the doctors. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No way. No, exactly. And by the time I got an appointment, I felt better. So my, my, I'd be going to the doctors and they wouldn't really do anything because yeah, my wife would be like, well, actually, she drag us there. And yeah. I was like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. Because I did feel fine. Yeah. So <laughs> it's mad. Yeah. I remember one day. But I, we're saying it's mad, but a huge it's proportion not. of society is in that place. It is, I. It is. You're right. You're right. You're right, I. It's, it's strange. It is yeah. a strange thing, but I've never even, I don't even think I've thought about that before, you know. But I remember one time, around the corner from here, I went for a consult. And I started talking to the woman. She was a shrink. And she said, you're manic now? I was like, no, I'm not. She's like, you're manic now, aren't you? And I fucking stormed out. I was like, I'm not manic. This is just fucking who I am. I'm not manic. I've just got good energy today. And that was another wake-up call thing. I'm like, what the fuck? Why are these people fucking judging me all the time? Why are these people making an assumption and labeling me all this kind of shit? And that was also the one of the moments where I was like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna live with the whole I'm bipolar thing. Yeah. I I'm not going to live with it. It's just a label that the doctor has given me. Like, I, I, that was the moment where I was like, no, fuck this. I'm not having these people label me as this. That's not who I am. Yeah. This is just a diagnosis that I've been given. Um, Interestingly, I, I was at a conference in the US and um, the speaker got up and they, they started to reveal line by line. Um, and they were like, um, uh, you know, this is a sign if you are a CEO. And each line revealed. And as it revealed each line, he said, right, stand up if this is you. So, you know, the first one and more people. And by the by the point time they reveal all of these different symptoms, yeah. right, of a CEO, almost all of the room was standing up. There was room about 300 people. And then they peeled off the top where it said CEO. It said, this is the diagnosis for bipolar disorder. Really? <gasps> that is fucking, fu <laughs> I want to see this thing. I know, I know. That sounds mad. Yeah. And so, so the, you know, you talk about how, and uh, listening to the podcast, high D and high I and significance of that. And it's like, okay, we're labeling in part bipolar disorder, yeah. but this is all the factors of nutrition, diet, exercise. And I always think, you know what I always think, and, and, and I say this a lot to the guys I'm talking to, I actually think there's a big, there was a big link for me, and I figured this out maybe 2016, 2017, there was a big link between my, where my adrenaline was at. So obviously at some point the cocaine and the booze will get, shoot my adrenaline right up and then there was a come down. Mm. But actually I realized several other points. I'd always have a come down after I'd been to an event. So I stopped speaking at events for a little bit. Because yeah. I'm like, it must be the events. Yeah, okay. The oh, well, I'm going to, I can't be on the stage. You think about it, mate. And, and this is something I've, I've clearly had to get a handle on in the last few years. Because last year I did a fucking theater show with a thousand people there. This year we sold out London. I spoke in front of 1,500 people in Belfast. I spoke at Wembley. There's loads of mad shit happened. But... Back then, I would do an event and then I'd need a week off work. Mm -hmm. And I actually just started managing my energy better because that's what it is about, essentially, these big highs. What's yeah. a big high? Mm -hmm. A big energy output. Yeah. Massive output of energy. And therefore, what goes up must come down. That's it. So I actually just worked out, okay, well, I need to balance this out. Yeah. So for example, Thursday, I had a mad event here and then I flew and then I got the train home and I knew I was in Edinburgh. At that at Tom Kitchen's restaurant, which was fucking incredible. I knew I was going to be buzzing off that. So this week, I've actually planned a fairly simple, easy yeah, week exactly. compared so to you normal. Can recover. So I actually, I actually just started to balance my time and my energy, yeah. and I started to handle shit better. I was just saying with the booze thing. I only had this insight last Thursday, probably, where I was like, my life hasn't been easier this year. 
It's probably been more intense and there's a lot more going on, but it but it's felt easier. Yeah, because you've been able to handle it. It hasn't higher resilience. The facts, I the facts haven't wouldn't indicate that I've had an easier year, but the feelings would indicate that I have, which yeah. is strange. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we're, we're, you know, in our higher um, ticket coaching program, yeah. um, all aimed at business owners, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I speak to these guys and a lot of them say, you know, I say, is it impacting your business? And they're like, well, no, I mean, you know, I do a lot of business because I drink and yeah. actually it's helped me grow the business and everything That's else. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but you just have to pause with me for a second because I guarantee you that when you get on top of this and you make the changes, the underlying behavior changes, yeah. a little bit of what we're talking about, you make these underlying behavior changes that you're going to realize, much like Nick James said to me, right? I've just realized I've spent the last five years operating on 80%. What's that cost him? I mean, he's got a very successful business yeah. and, and doing multiple millions yeah. a year. Yeah. He's been operating on 80%. Yeah. You know, so, and this is the thing. I think alcohol brings me all of these things and yeah. I've built my business successfully, but actually it's yeah. really holding Well, I have this little thing right now where I'm like, do people think in order to join my program that they can't drink? And I kind of don't want, like, part of me no, doesn't exactly. want that attached to it. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't care if you drink or not. But well, then there was an event we did the other week where- I think you do it really well. I think that I was listening and what you, your key thing was, the decision was not to, we're going to come on to this, but the decision was not to stop drinking. Yes. The decision was- to create a life that that doesn't fit in. Don't fit, aye. It's amazing. A, yeah. But then I don't want to talk about it too much. Yeah. In fact, someone, my friend Michael Heppel sent me a mad message. He commented, he said, Paul, he messaged me. He said, Paul, I'm going to comment on your post about no booze. Right? He said, but you know, it's mate's banter. I was like, mate, you didn't have to tell me that. He commented saying, well, what are you going to talk about now? <laughs> when you're years up, I see you've got a question for you about no booze. When you're years up, what are you going to talk about? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe the next year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird that my life has just felt easier. Yeah. It's, well, it's, which is mad. And one interesting thing that I didn't think would happen was that I've enjoyed parties more. Great. Which I did not think in a million years. No. I thought I'd have to avoid them. I didn't really like them that much anyway. <laughs> but I've actually stayed up later, mm -hmm. had a better time, yeah. danced Remembered more, everything. Yeah. danced more, yeah. and fucking had more fun, which I never in a million years would, because that, that's what everyone automatically assumes. Yes. So actually I stayed up later, had a better time, made more jokes, had more fun, been louder, and danced more. Amazing. Which but is wild. The, the, and uh, So again, this is all the culmination of you unraveling everything that you've been preconditioned to believe that we need alcohol or some kind of substance in order to be able to have a good time. Yeah. And then you've let go of all of that stuff and you're like, well, hang on a minute. What is it to re-engage with young Paul Mort who <laughs> didn't need drugs in the in the school to go yeah. and socialize and dance and have yeah. fun and connect with that in a genuine a way? School, that's mad. At you know? school, I was a bit of an introvert. Like I was right. quite shy. Were you? It's interesting. I was quite shy, which is which is. Well, a lot in of fact, I wasn't shy. I cracked jokes. Yeah, and I tried. I was a kid that tried to make everyone laugh, and then that kind of slowly got beaten out of me, and mm. then I became a waterman now. Yeah. When I was sixteen, I remember thinking, "Well, what?" I didn't know who I was for a long time because I was like, well, if you can't crack jokes and make people laugh, like, what do you... I didn't have anything else. That? I didn't have anything else but a mm -hmm. bit of Spanish. Muy bien. Poco Espanol. I got my cue there. Uh, Poco Espanol. Um, I just want to go back to the to the change. So, um, yeah. and I think this is really key. If we look at it is, uh, you know, even though, uh, you know, rightly in that moment when you're in your darkest, you don't feel like talking to somebody you don't feel yes. like some of this but what you connected to was with some was some it, habits it, yeah. some good habits some habits some Exercise. goals that excited me again exactly yeah so, so getting to handle on my health exactly. and then all the other things started happening and then i started to create some big shit 
And then people started asking me. That's how I ended up doing this. Yeah. So back then, I wasn't doing the unsolvable thing. Yeah. I had a marketing company and a supplement company. The start of 2015, I realized that I hated the supplement company. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it. I was a nightmare for my business partner. Imagine being my business partner. Nightmare. The, the guy, Tim, still killing it now with a company called Lean Greens. He lived in Portugal when I met him. So I used to drive from Malaga to Portugal quite regularly or the other way around. We spent a lot of time together. And then when I had the meltdown, I moved back to England and he moved back to England as well. And, I, and then a few months later, I was like, mate, I'm not, I'm out. So he bought me out. Um, so I, I kind of, the great thing about having a successful business was that I was able to invest in courses, seminars, workshops. I could go to Germany for nine days and do the Byron Katie nine day school for the work, which was incredible. I was able to try things and test them. Yeah. Um, and then, like I say, people start noticing. Yeah. And then I was like, well, that's how I did everything really. So, so what I became was a PT because I was fat. I, I, I was an engineer and I lost loads of weight. And people asked me how I did it. And then I became a business coach because I built a successful fitness business and people asked me how I did it. And the same happened here. Yeah. People were saying, what are you, what are you doing? You seem different. Mm-hmm. How have you lost that weight? How are you doing this? And how have you got off them bipolar meds? And how are you, how are you able to do that so it was now? The boo- and, what had happened to the boozing and the, and the sniffing? The boozing. <laughs> I would say the first time around, the boozing became a, probably went from being three times a week, four times a week to... I think I, so the first thing I did was set these 90 day challenges. That's one of the things I learned in that wake up warrior that woke me up was these, this concept of a 12 week challenge. Mm-hmm. I read a book called the 12 week year, which is an excellent book as well. Mm-hmm. Brian Moran, I think I wrote that. And I, and I was like, well, I'm not going to drink for 90 days. And then I drank on 90 days. And that was drinking every, drinking every quart. I was a thing until last year. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so you pretty much parked it um, pretty much that whole to time. every quarter. I would celebrate with and a drink. So you would celebrate once and then you would go back onto another 90 days? For a week, I'd be on another 90 days. And that really worked really well for me, yeah. actually. It worked really well for me. Maybe I drink two. Was it two all of... I. Yeah. I. I. I did less sniff. Yeah. Way less sniff. Um, But then maybe at Christmas, I'd probably do a little bit more. Yeah. Probably two or three at Christmas. And then that was it until 2020. And then 2020, I had a, a real insight around boozing. Because again, listen, every 90 days, you'd be like, well, that's that's amazing. People are like, that's amazing that you've 90 days without a drink. Yeah. I didn't think it was. Yeah. But then in 2020, I had a real interesting insight. I drank for two weeks in a row for the first time since 2014. Right. Two weeks and two Fridays in a row. Christmas didn't really count for me mentally. It didn't really count. Yeah, I think everyone's like that. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, I'm going to do one Free year. Pass. I'm going to do one year no booze in January. I'm yeah. like, well, start now when you've yeah. got a fucking two month head start or something. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so the 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 2020 two weeks in a row, I drank for two Fridays in a row, and I felt like shit. One Friday, I would be like, eh, it's fine. Two in a row, I was like, ooh, I feel like shit here. Mm-hmm. And then I, I started journaling. I was like, why am I doing this? Because I didn't have anything else to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Fridays in our house, we would call it more family Friday. Kids would finish school. We'd finish work. We'd go rock climbing. We'd go um, swimming. We'd go to the cinema. We'd go to the fair. We'd do uh, bowling or something like that. Or I'd train jujitsu on a Friday night and then it was gone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, this is interesting. Um, and then, but still, 2020, 2021, I'd still drink every quarter. Yeah. Yeah, every quarter. Um, it is, it's amazing to have gone through that, but I think the key part here is you'd clearly started investing in your personal development earlier, right? And so you were picking up all this stuff and- I mean, I mean personal make- development, fucking hell, 1999 was my first Tony Robbins thing, get the edge, 
Get the edge. I've seen him on QVC. Who's this guy? He's off Shallow Hall. I recognize him. Yeah. Big hands, big teeth. Amazing. Three easy payments. Three easy payments of nine ninety nine. Yeah. And that get the edge CD set. I'm telling you right now. Even yeah. though I, even though it was nineteen ninety nine, and fifteen years later I had a fucking meltdown. Yep. That stuff now was still a massive wake up call for me. Completely. Like a massive, and that's where I invested. That was the my first experience. I think of it's now the ultimate edge. Is it? I think it's now. Well, all of that is rolled it into the ultimate edge. I think. It was amazing. And, yeah. and even it's weird. Now, I probably still call things, and I probably still learn things that I learned in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. But there was clearly a period in my life where I turned off from it for a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All it was just I couldn't find the link between sessioning and feeling like shit. Because mm-hmm. you have a hangover, right? That's normal. Yeah, you have a hangover, but then you get to a certain point in your life. I think it's probably when you start getting responsibilities. Yeah, well, family like, definitely. I, and I, I like kind that. of have. Why I'm hungover and I'm treating them like you, you treat people in a different way when you feel like shit, right? Mm. Whereas when you're a young guy, like you're not, mate. I could fucking hell. I could go out boozing all day on a Saturday, take fucking three e's, bang two birds. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Stay up all night and then go and get man of the match mm. football. <laughs> yeah. And then next thing I know, I'm fucking 30 and I've got a two-week hangover. Yeah, exactly. Smart eye. And then you just get on that cycle. And I suppose I got on this cycle at some point in my life of feeling like shit, drinking to feel better, making it through the week, celebrating because I made it through the week. It's yeah. just this mad cycle. Again, one of the biggest insights I've got this year is that the main there's two periods where I feel like drinking. One when I'm bored, two when I already feel like shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are my two biggest insights on, on like, oh, okay. I, saw, I heard you saying that about, yeah. you know, you only really feel like having a drink when you feel like shit. And yeah. it's the worst time to have it's a drink. It's the but that's opposite. also the time when you, when, think about this, I've got a cold right now, yeah. and all I want to do is eat shit. Yeah. It's such a paradox, isn't it's, it? It is, yeah. Such a paradox. I had a fucking Greg's baguette this morning. <laughs> I'm like, why, even if I wasn't feeling like shit, I'd eat better food. It's yeah, so weird. exactly. Why do we go down this fuck it button? Uh, self-soothing. Self-soothing. Self-soothing, that's all it 100%. is. Self-soothing. People call it self-sabotage. It's not. Mm. It's self-soothing. Yeah. I'm doing something that made me feel better in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And, um, you know, we touched on this a bit earlier. You know, you didn't come in this year. So, first of all, yeah. you are now... Um, how many days Three, away? Six, one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we are, we're four days away. Is it a leap year? Four <laughs> days away from, from, from one year, no beer, yeah. which is amazing. Wild. Wild. Amazing. Uh, and I did, it's, it's weird. I've got, I've had so many insights about it. I keep like, yeah. it's, it's been such a, like a revolutionary thing. And loads of things have happened that I didn't think would. And I believe loads of things that I didn't believe I would. But it's, it's a, the course with Dispenza, he said something that I really love, which is just, What's on the other side of this this belief about this? And I was really interested in that with the booze. I remember the day, it was the 23rd of December was my last drink, but it was the 3rd of January I decided I wasn't going to drink anymore. Mm. So the 23rd, I remember, Mac, who who you met before. Yeah. In 2019, I went for a pint with him and all his mates, and I ended up going out till 2 a.m. They were like 21 or something. I had a great time. 2020, obviously, didn't happen. Last year, I said, I'm going to meet you and the lads later on. I'll come out with me, shit jump around and that. And I had a few drinks at home and I never made it out. Like, because I was pissed. Mm. I was pissed in the house and I'm thinking, ooh. That 23rd, I was like, maybe this is not for me. I haven't yeah. even made it to a night out because I'm too pissed. Obviously, I'd gone too fast. And then, I don't drink around me kids. I don't think my kids have ever seen me drunk. I'm just right. a big believer in not letting, I don't want them to see that. It feels weird. Mm-hmm. So when I go on holiday, I've never drank because my opinion with holidays, I mean, not since I've done a lad's holiday. So when, I go, when I've go, when i gone on holiday with my wife and kids, I've never drank because I'm a big believer in why would I want to feel worse when I come back of holidays? Yeah. 
No. I go on holiday to feel better when yeah, I come to back. Relax, to relax, to get unwind. To, it's like a, it's like to almost. Heal. I, I, it's that's what it is. So yeah. I was like, why would I? I don't. I, I never, I never could get my head around getting pissed all the time on holiday and feeling worse when you come back and needing another holiday. Yeah, my holidays were never escape for reality. They're almost like preparation mm. for coming back kicking ass. So I love that. And, and it's a, it's been a big deal for me. So I remember the third of January. I think it was the third or the fourth. We're coming back from Dubai, and I was writing my goals for the year. And I said, I'm gonna not I'm not gonna drink this year. My wife is like, why? Because she knows that I only drank five, six times a year anyway. And why? I just want to see if I can. I want to see if I can do it. Good. But I think it happened on the base that I'd written all those other goals first. Yeah. And I know you, you you probably want to talk about this because it's massive for me. Mm-hmm. And it's been massive for a lot of people. I just want to see if I can. Plus, I've got all this other shit I want to do. I can't I don't think I'll hit them if I do this. Yeah. So and then she's ended up doing it as well, by the way. Yeah, I know. She's She's she, adamant she's gonna have a drink on Friday though. <laughs> she's I'm gonna have a drink. She part of her, we might talk about it later. She's like, I don't want the pressure of but she's done it without even telling anyone she was gonna do it. Whereas I think telling everybody, once I told everybody, that was it. Yeah. Well, I mean the science is there. Is right? it? The goal. Oh, hundred percent. So first of all, just I'm not gonna get these numbers right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off the yeah, top yeah. of my head. Right. Just, the goal just, down. just telling the goal, or yeah. just 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 having the goal. Yeah. You're fifty percent chance of completion. Yeah. yeah. Right? Writing the goal down and telling someone, yeah. you know, sixty percent chance. Yeah. Here's the most important part. Writing it down, telling somebody about it, and then checking in with them weekly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninety yeah. percent. Probably chance. why a lot of my programs work yeah, exactly. as well. But I told Because they come in and you hold them accountable each week in the coaching. I think I told. 57,000 people on my Facebook page and 30,000 people on my Instagram. Yeah. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. <laughs> who who, who could see you out. Who in essence, made <laughs> probably don't give a fuck. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But. There'll be a few there. It's, this is me using fear of failure. I have a fear of failure like everyone else. This is me using my ego of not wanting to look like a cunt yeah. to my advantage. Yeah. And that, I suppose, once that decision was made, I was like, well, it's made now. It was- well, also, I, I resonate very much with your fuck it button. I mean, mine yeah. was enormous. Um, I used to describe it like when my fuck it button comes out, I come out with a Rambo thing on and two guns. And I'm go. like, die let's everything. Go. Yes. Right? Just destroy my life. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so recognizing that and understanding it, I built one year no beer in order to basically keep me accountable and yeah. I don't have any choice and now this is what I do and who I am yeah. as a human being yes. leading by example is yes. critical well I'm not saying everybody needs to go and I'm just really intrigued by the whole thing as well people are you going to drink on the, and I change my mind every day Yeah. right now I actually feel like I will because I feel like shit yeah. I've got a cold everyone else has we've had a very mad quarter what a mad year really I wrote down my wins this morning I was like shit I'm going to make a post on Wednesday about them. Part of these been like, I don't want to trigger people by sharing all these. I don't want to seem like, I'm, it's not like me, it seem like I'm bragging, but I really feel like I'm bragging about what we've done this year. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, oh, I might have to tone this down. I've never really think that. I'm like, fuck it, I'll tell everyone because I'm, I'm proud of myself and it might inspire people. But this one, I was like, shit, I, this feels big. I just want, I just 100% want to encourage you here to, to you know, you, the way you come across yeah. in your messaging about yeah. this whole alcohol thing yeah. is so spot on. Is it? Oh, thank uh, you, I man. think you're really reaching. You know, you know, uh, you know, your your background, your experience, yeah. your the whole Marbella, and yeah. really going for it yeah. off the edge. I think I feel just like keep, a, keep going. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting thing because because again, a lot there'll of people, be so many people listening. And who I, are like, I'm so like. Do you know what I think you know? people like? Do you know what I think people like that I wasn't? Do you know when a lot of people quit drinking is because of were fucking alcoholic. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they would. I would never consider myself in recovery. Yeah. I would never have considered myself addicted to anything either. Yeah. I may have been. Who yeah. knows? 
So I remember Jeff Thompson, this guy, really smart guy, Jeff. And he said some, he says, it was one of one of his books saying that an addiction is just something that you don't think you can stop. Exactly. Joe Dispenza said it. A compulsive behavior that you you do, even though you know it hurts you. Well, hang on. You don't think you can stop. That is so many behaviors. It is. We all have addiction. It is. I, we do. We don't like to talk about that. I love this. I love this concept. Oh, you don't think I can stop it, do you not? Yeah. Let's fucking see that. (laughs) That whole proving people wrong thing that I quite like, but I'm just, I have this open, I'm never that open-minded, right? But I'm really open-minded. Part of us is like, I'm not, I'm not, so I'm not willing to commit to not to to, to not drinking or drinking. I'm like I just, I'm just going to see what happens. Yeah. If I do, I do. But I'm interested to see what happens if I do as well. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like part exactly. of us is like, if I do drink, I wonder how I'll react to yeah. one, and then I wonder how I'll react if I get pissed the next day. But then part of us is like, well, why would I bother? I get I get the whole thing. I'm just very I find it quite fascinating. I'm finding myself. And my, my my beliefs around the whole thing fascinating right mm. now. Like it feels like a science experiment. Yeah, which is mad. Well, let's, let's talk about your your experiences of yeah. this one year no beer. Yeah. Um, what have you? What have you? What are, What are your insights? Well, the biggest one is why I was drinking. Okay, and I didn't think it was that because everyone's like, "Oh, what are you drinking to celebrate?" And I'm like, "Well, I kind of did." But I was, if I look at those quarterly celebrations, really, it was because I was fucking exhausted by yeah, the end of the quarter because yeah. I, I emptied me tank. Build, 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 build. Empty <laughs> me tank. I right, let's go. Let's partly celebration. Part I'm fucked here. Yeah. Um, actually, I remember last year was a bit of a. I had a bit of a breakthrough as well. We did an event in the October, in Manchester, and I got pissed on the way home in the car, and I was like, I would never normally. This is a weird thing. Felt mm. weird. Mm. Made me wipe. My wife's driving and I'm drinking. Yeah. This is. This is interesting behavior. So that was, I suppose, another wake up. One in the another one in the bank. Uh, yeah, another one yeah. in the bank of you know when you were saying before about these. You're actually thought about it three years earlier. Exactly. I think I'd thought just, about it earlier. Definitely. Oh yeah. 2020 was probably the first time where I was like, I wonder if I could do longer. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the biggest the biggest ones were the reasons why, which were boredom. Yeah. And I suppose you could call it burnout. Those are the two reasons. Yeah. Um. The other one was peer pressure. I haven't had any. Amazing. I think that becomes an excuse for people. Mm-hmm. And the reason I haven't had any though was also because I've been honest about it. You know, I'm not drinking, mate. It makes me feel suicidal. I haven't said that, but a lot of people could easily say that. Yeah. But I've just come out with it and said this. The other one was definitely creating- I imagine you're pretty alpha in, oh, your, mega. in your group. Mega. Okay, so so but then, you know, and, and that is a, it means that you probably were the burn- Putting the peer pressure on everyone, right? You were a little bit. You were you were the the yeah, starter. Do one of these, mate? Yeah. Key out on that. <laughs> exactly. uh, What's wrong with you? Uh, Come on. Uh, uh, um, so, uh, but then also that would limit more your your peer pressure part I think because so. you're I the, think so. the strong I think alpha. Right. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Which which is it's a kind of a different kind of challenge as well because everyone expects you to be drinking. That's it. Do you know what I mean? Really expects you. You're the leader. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting thing that actually. Yeah. So I was honest about it, which is which is really interesting. I didn't have any peer pressure. The other thing is is definitely, we talk about leverage of achieving goals, you need a big reason why. Completely. Which I think is important, yeah. but also you need a fucking plan. Do you know what I mean? Some people, they're like, you could have a really big re- reason why. You're like, oh, I don't, I, I want to do better for my kids and that. It's a massive reason why, but mm. then you still drink. Yeah. Like, what was your plan? Well, my plan was not to drink. Like, that's not a plan. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's actually significant in there because like the brain saying, doesn't hear the not. No, nah, it doesn't, exactly. So your plan is drink. Yeah. Great. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was saying you were saying before about what I said about the my goal wasn't not to drink. Yeah, my goal was the other shit. Exactly. Not drinking was just the cost of our my mission. Goal. That the was other the, shit. I, that was the price <laughs> I had to pay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That was the price I had to pay if I wanted. And me, I haven't even hit seventy five percent of the goals that I set, but they were fucking outrageous. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They were outrageous. Um, 
So, so that was that. That was that part. That was the the the, the peer pressure part. Mm-hmm. And the plan. The plan. Yeah. I just had to put plans in. I know where my triggers are. I put plans in, um, and they were just. And, and another insight that I had was was the one from 2020 where I drank because I had nothing else to look forward to. But now, drinking would be a downgrade in terms of living an exciting life. Mm. Drinking was the thing that I looked forward to. Yeah. Now, I just, and this is just a decision. People don't get it as a decision. Now, I look forward to other things so much that boost might come in. But the reality is, on Friday now, I booked in a training session and go and train. Yeah. And me and Leslie are going for lunch. Yeah, lovely. Like, if I didn't plan those two things in, yep. or then... We're picking the kids up from school, which is also another reason to be like, well, why would I drink? Yeah, exactly. Next day's Christmas Eve. Yeah. Guess what I've done Christmas Eve? Booked Avatar in 4DX. So I'm like, I, I have Amazing. To, yeah. So I'm looking forward to them exactly. instead of thinking, when's exactly. my next drink? Exactly. So they're exciting to me. So someone said, you're not miss going to sit in a pub with the boys drinking. My yeah. part of me does. Of but course. I look at my life. I'm like, that's boring as fuck. Mm-hmm. That's boring compared to the other things that I've got planned. Yeah. Which And I think that's massive. So the, the one thing that I did also on that flight home, where some of the goals were like, this is weird. I've never been to as many football matches. This I've been in loads of mad places. So obviously I've been almost every Sunderland home game, been a bunch of Sunderland away games, been a Wembley, which was the first real time where I'm like, oh, I would love a fucking beer now. <laughs> when, you, when you've been to Wembley six times and lost every time, mm. twice in the space of two months in 2019, where I was wasted at both. But this uh, in 2020... <laughs> Last year, not drinking that was the real big challenge. Mm. So I've been Wembley. Fucking hell. I went Is that to, like in the bus with the boys on the way down? No, like or, in the stadium. Yeah, just there. On the train on the yeah. way down. Yeah. In the stadium. In the party yeah. after. In the hotel after. Yeah. I'm in this hotel bar yeah. with fucking Marco Gabbiadini, by the way, who's my first ever football hero because he scored a win against Newcastle. He's in the bar talking to me and that, and everyone's drinking and I, 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 alcohol-free beer. It was, like, it was actually the first alcohol-free beer that I ever had. Mm-hmm. Five months in, it was in May. Right. Five months in. Um, so we did, we did that, and then I've been to Rangers against Celtic, I've been to. I've been to Liverpool against West Ham, Villa against Arsenal. I've been to, to uh, where else have I been? Roma against Bologna, mad. Tottenham against Burnley. I've just been all these football games because that's the kind of shit that I look forward yeah, to. And, and I was it. like, I'm not going to link booze into that. Yeah. And I just, I, when I planned all that in, I was like, well, where does booze go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where does it go? Like, I'll do that again. I started doing that again on Friday because we, we had a big goal setting thing and I started to, where does booze go? Yeah. So I've got so many other things to look forward to that there's just no space for it to fit. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't feel like it's a sacrifice to my life. It feels like it would slow me down. Do you know it's what I mean? Great. Everyone thinks that not boozing is a sacrifice. It doesn't feel like that to me. Yeah. feels like I've had to sacrifice it, but not, yeah, it's but, come, but it's for come things that are more exciting, because exactly. you think about this, I was talking to the guys about this on Friday. Not boozing as a goal is boring. Yeah, yeah. Most people, I think, they don't hit their goals because their goals are too hard or too unrealistic. Is that they're too boring? Yeah. Not doing something is a terrible goal. But also, it's got that attached to it in society. I mean, we have been conditioned in society yes. that, oh, he's not drinking, therefore he's boring. I have literally overheard people, a group of lads talking, going, he's such a good player. Yeah, but we can't invite him. He's like the best player of the group. Yeah, but we can't invite him because he doesn't drink. Really? Fucking hell. Right, That's so wild, you're like, it? you're like, okay, so society's so ingrained yeah. in this idea yeah. that, but then this is the encouragement but even to people to me, saying, even to the person setting the goal, not doing something. Yeah. Whatever it is, not eating sugar, not eating carbs, yeah. not going to the strippers, yeah. not 
texting your ex. That's bo- all of those are boring. Yeah, because you're denying yourself from I, something. So you've yeah. got it. You've but got you it. And again, with any habit, it's with any bad habit, you've got to replace it with a good one. But ju- that goal just sounds boring. And yeah. like you said, if the goal was not boozing, my focus would be on the boozing. Yeah. I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking. It's like saying, going to the titty barn saying, I'm not looking at the tits. 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 The tits are there, mate. Yeah. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So, like, that that was huge for me. Mm. Huge for me. The other thing that I found was not drinking does trigger some people. Yeah. But it inspires others. Yeah. I think you've got to be all right with both. And and uh, some, it ins- I mean, most, it'll inspire them quietly at the bar with you just I for a minute. It's like, man, I couldn't do this thing. I couldn't believe it when I ran an event. In November, we had about 50 guys. No, we didn't. It was upstairs, so we must have had less. 33 or something. It was a jam-packed upstairs. 33 maybe. And so many of them said, I haven't drank this quarter. And I was like, oh, shit. I never told you mm. not to drink. Yeah. I never said, make not drinking a goal. Yet, there was, I would say, 15 of them said, I haven't drank this 90 days. And I was like, shit, was that me? Yeah. Just well me done. not doing it. Well done. And I, I didn't know whether it was or not, but I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And that's also the way I started worrying about. People think that if you want to join my program, you can't drink. Because <laughs> I don't want it, I don't want anyone to think that they, even if listen, even someone going some for some people going two weeks without drinks a big deal. Yeah, and exactly. that should be yeah. celebrated. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So I don't want you I don't want everyone to think, oh well, if I join Paul's program, it's about not boozing. Yeah. I mean, you want that. No, but there's there's the, what we're what we're here. Clearly saying yeah. is one of the greatest upgrades you can get as an entrepreneur, right? That, that's going to improve your your <laughs> your decision making. Yeah. It's going to massively improve your productivity and energy. Like I talk to these guys in business who are running very successful businesses, and I'm like, yeah, but it's not about having more energy and more more productivity because we all want more of that, right? We're we're searching for that. The entrepreneurs this- know they can get away with. It's they know the, they can fat flatline it though. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Entrepreneurs are used to getting by and no sleep and feeling like shit. Yeah, that's true. But then it is the more intuitive and better decision making that you make when you mm. put, you know park it for a bit. One of the things I've found, you know, is is it's it's like if I can do this, what else could I do? Yeah. That's another one. Do you know what powerful. I mean? With get building good habits. I am like, like well, that. if I can go it there and not drink, I must be a fucking animal, me. Joe Dispenza talks about this a lot, right? Self-discipline and things like being the the, the secret to transformation. It hasn't felt like discipline though, because discipline has this whole, well, it must fucking suck then. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's the byproduct of changing something like that. It is. Because you feel like, actually, I'm in control. Aye. And it's a a real air. And sometimes I don't think about it at all. Yeah. And then other times I'm like, fucking hell, this is, when a number pops up on my screen and, and I check it, I'm like, fucking hell. That's, a long time. Brilliant. But then yeah. part of us is like, oh, you're just getting fucking started, dickhead. Exactly. So talking there's, about there's that. so many things going through my mind, man. Where are you going after this? What's well, I may as well go for 400. Great. Do you know what I mean? I do, but I don't know. Yeah. And this is why I'm so intrigued. What am I going to do? I'm going to have one and then start again. Am I going to have none? But it feels good that now I've done a year, I don't feel like I have to make a decision. Yeah. Which is a real, I've never been in that place before. I don't feel like I have to decide whether it's a yes or no. I'm like, I'm, I'm, why would I drink? Mm-hmm. Why would I keep going? Why would I deny myself of, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But then I'm thinking, well, what is it that I like about drinking? What is it that I like about drinking? Because I'm sociable as fuck anyway. I actually become less sociable when I drink. Yeah. It's weird. I become more quiet. I become angrier. I'm like, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You become... I think sometimes you, you, your focus becomes a little bit more narrow. Part of me is like, I'm a go yet. Yeah. 
I was talking to my friend at jiu-jitsu about this the other week. I was, and we were, he, he's, he's like, I might do you an, an old booze next year. He's a right hard cunt as well, actually. Hard as fuck. Um, he, uh, he said, are you like me, Paul? He said, when I'm at a party, I, want, I kind of want to go back to the room so I can start the proper drinking. Yeah. Is that interesting, that? I was like that. Yeah. I'd be at a party and I'd be like, can we go yet? So I can start actually drinking without having to stand in a queue at the bar. Mm. So I can properly, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. when, you're, when you're at home or in your hotel room, you, you're not waiting for anyone. You can just fucking get right into it. Do you know what I mean? That that that, that was me. That was me though. So social for a bit, and then I'd start to get tired, and then I'd be like, "I'm gonna go back to the fucking room yeah. now." Yeah. So I can start really drinking. Dangerous places. Very dangerous places. Um, I. And and this is it with everyone. It, it creeps up in different ways, and people behave in different ways. And yeah. it's not sociable, but it's drinking at home. Yeah, and yeah. But um, I'm just fascinated the one now thing by you've it. said. The one thing you've said in, into this is about you know how important it was you to have a future vision. Critical, right? Future vision was critical. And also- I think that's the biggest reason why- I think that's the biggest contributor to this male suicide thing. Mm. It sounds weird. A lack weird. of future vision. A lack of a no compelling future. You yeah. can't see a future that inspires you. Yeah. That excites you. That fires you up. You can just see now and how much pain you're in and totally. you're past- Totally. You can't see, and any future that you can see might be filled with anxiety and dread. Yeah. You haven't, and, and again, part of us is like, that's created, because it is created. Yep. But part of us is just, well, no one's showing people how and why. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, I believe that that is the number one contributor. Not, it's certainly not not talking. Yeah. That's what it comes across as, doesn't it? Yeah. What's the biggest contributor to male suicide? Not talking. Yeah. I'm like, that's bullshit. Mm. And it's it's amazing to talk to someone. Talking therapy is incredible, I think. And having an outlet and having a support group and a peer group and a wife that can support you was a benefit for me. Completely. But that didn't stop me A from, wife who saved you. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> a wife who saved Round me. Round of applause for that. So that was important, but I just don't think, I don't think that's not necessarily a solution. I don't think it's the cause of it. Yeah. I think not having a compelling future is the cause of it. Completely. We talk about not drinking is boring. Yeah. So I think drinking and sniffing is a massive contributor to the suicide well, thing. But That is my um, just reflection back to you is going through a year and this we see people do a lot. Then they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do after this. And, you know, we have a negativity bias. We have a very, very ingrained habit that alcohol is pertinent and part of life and society. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you leave it to. I don't know, uh, yeah, yeah. then you You're are the problem. You are putting it to... Man, I'm so glad we've touched on this because <laughs> guess what I haven't done yet for next year? Oh, you haven't done the goals and the future vision and everything else? Nah. So. so this week, for me, because we're going to Thailand on Boxing Day, this Lovely. week is I'm still on this court as goals. Yep. I'm still in them. So Friday, I should do... You've just gave me the answer. Good. There we go. At Get some it. point in the next... I started doing it on Friday... That's what helped me make the decision. Yeah. Once I set the goals for next year, I'll be like, well, no, I haven't got... And the, the the thing is, I haven't... If I do drink on Friday, I've got a feeling it'll be one drink. Yeah. Because next day is Christmas Eve. Too much going on. Yeah. Too busy. I've invited... My wife seems to have invited the, all, everyone on my Facebook page to come for a C-dip. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> where the fuck did this happen? Great. How is the 40 people now coming and mining your C-dip, Leslie? So I have to do that on Friday. And then it's Good Christmas man. Day and then I'm away. Yeah. In a country where I would never drink anyway. Yeah. So. That's good. Yeah. Um, but notice how I still haven't committed to not drinking. Yeah. See, I'm fascinated by why I haven't done that either. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I've just got a very, it's this, I've never had this level of open-mindedness about anything in my life. Mm. And I'm fascinated by it. 
Yeah. By the psychology behind it. It is fascinating. And I've only just realised that I still haven't committed to not not doing it. Yeah. But I haven't committed to doing it either. Well, I'm I'm I no, I think the I think you will do it if you don't commit to not to, to yes. not doing. So I, do I. I, th- I just think that the, the so way we're I. ingrained in sight and everything else, yeah. not making a decision around this is making the decision to drink. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? So, at least my wife's saying I'm having a drink. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But but, it, it, but it's interesting. I'm I'm I'm, I'm now journaling in my head <laughs> on a podcast live. Good man. Um, but but ultimately, you know, I went through a year of not drinking, similar to you. I went through a year of not drinking, and yeah. then I thought, right, I'm going to have a few drinks. And I went out and got absolutely blasted. Um, was I throwing up drinks. that night. Well, no, I actually, I mean, I I, I went to the bar. Pommy's intrigued as to how fast I can get away. pissed as well. And did you get pissed off too? I was no no no. I had like six or seven pints. Then I had a, a whole bunch of drinks, but I then I um I was throwing up that night. I was throwing up the following day with my two daughters sat beside me, one of them in tears. My <gasps> wife storming out the house, and I'm oh, like, shit. abstinence has not bred control, right? Mm. And this is the key thing. Here. Yeah, me to that as well. So so control, which is now what we do in our high ticket program and in our in our is helping people to do the underlying behavior yeah. so that they can control their drink. Yeah. That is to be able to have one and stop. Yeah. Right to be able to um, enjoy half a drink or whatever it is or choose. Now you already have a high level of control in your life, and that is because of the underlying work that you've been doing for yeah. years. Yeah, right, yeah, this yeah, personal yeah, development yeah, yeah. stuff, changing habits, routines, health—like all yeah. of that stuff—is yeah. key. Um, and plus, you talk about um, um, therapy. Trauma is the driver of addictive behavior. Yeah. So if you can't stop at one, yeah. there is there yeah. is trauma. I just anyway. have this concept that I'm in love with. Right, I might call me next book something like this. I like this concept of living an electric life. My life feels fucking electric. Amazing. Doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah. I have a lot of challenges of come course. my way. Fuck me. Stressful as hell, I imagine. Lots of criticism, lots of hate. People yeah. tell me I should have jumped. All that kind of shit, right? But it just Lovely. feels electric. Yeah. And I don't think booze fits into that concept of having an electric life. I, I, I could. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It feels like the opposite. Great. Do you know what I mean? The decision's made. Yeah. You just haven't made the decision yet. <laughs> Nearly, nearly to make the decision. I, th- I think you're right. I think if, it, you know, it, 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 I might it just is- put a drink in front of me and see what happens. Pommy's <laughs> intrigued by that. Do you know what it is? Maybe that's all I need. Maybe I just need all that drink and look at it and be like, nah. I, w- I want to touch on the, the amazing work that you are doing, mm-hmm. right? And and so the business now and, and things like that. Tell me, yeah. tell us all a bit more about that. <laughs> the business now is, it's again, it's kind of came from nowhere because I didn't plan on doing it. Yeah. I already had a successful business. Then I was like, and once you start seeing, I'd seen the benefit of back when I was a PT of people getting in shape and how impactful it was. Fuck me. I think about now as a coach, I didn't have a fucking clue. I tell people what to do. One in 10 would do it and get great results. The other nine, I'd be like, you lazy cunts, lazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I didn't know. And then in business, I saw the impact of people making more money on their families and that. But there's nothing more inspiring to me than working with someone and seeing this is what fills me heart the most. It happened a lot last Friday. It's why I had such a good time, I think. When someone's family member comes up to us and says, thank you. Not the guy himself, or because I work with a lot of women now. Not them themselves. But when someone's wife comes up and says, it's just thank you for saving me husband. Exactly. Or mate, last year I got a card from two little boys who said, thank you for Thanks. showing me dad how to live. Blows me fucking head off. I'm with you. Every time it blows me yeah. head off. And that's... It's it's rocket fuel. I And that's where... Do you know what, mate? You'll be the same as me. You'll definitely get this. Well, I think it's terrible you're making money from fucking weak people. I'm like, mate, come you're to one of my events. from tell, suffering. Oh, come here. Come to my event here, right? Come to my event here 
and tell those men that they're weak. Yeah. They'll yeah. punch your fucking lights out. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I love reading. Well, I don't. Oh, I no, always exactly. laugh at the comments on your yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's worse than mine. I know. It's, your comments are worse <laughs> than mine. Where I'm like, oh, well, you looked happier before. That's because I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I always look happy when I'm pissed, mate. Yeah. But I always see that on your eyes. But it's, this is oh, part yeah. of the reason why I never feel bad for talking about money and why I never feel bad for making it. Because when you see someone's life transform, I'm like, if they didn't put skin in the game yeah. to work with me, they wouldn't have done it. They'd never never that, have done it. Because guess what? You, that's just, that's just criticizing me right now. You have access to fucking thousands of hours of free content. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You've got hundreds of podcasts, hundreds of emails, hundreds of videos. I do a weekly Q&A. Fucking hell, I've wrote three books. Two of them are free. One of them is eight quid, right? You've got access to all that information. And the only reason you haven't done anything with it is because you haven't invested. Yeah, exactly. That's why you haven't done anything. Yeah. So actually, my income is directly correlated to how many fucking lives are being changed. Mm. That's because money flows to value. Exactly. And I add value to people's lives. And they change their lives. It's not me doing the work. Um, but like I say, it's just gone mad. From what started as me in a hotel room with fucking six people has grown to a thousand people in a theater. Mm. Mostly all of them pissed, by the way. <laughs> it was such a, the, the theater thing was such a mad thing, you know, because holy shit, probably since 2010, I did my first keynote on business, right? And I've done hundreds of keynotes, fucking hell, all over the world. I did Puerto Rico with Gary Vee this year, which was mental. But a thousand people in a theater on a Friday night in Newcastle was weird. No lights on because they're not making notes in a mm. theater. Yeah. They're not turning to the person next to them and sharing something like you have to at every conference you go to, right? Yeah, oh, exactly. turn to the person next to you and introduce yep. yourself. Do a little group thing. These fuckers are drinking out with two pint glasses. Me dad, this is mad. that we're joking about this on, on, when we're talking about not boozing. But again, it's, it's not for everybody. Last year, so me dad's seven, 67, never seen him pissed. At me after party, he was fucking steaming. Mm. He hasn't drank since. Really? <laughs> he hasn't drank since. He was dancing on tables and that. Oh, no. I was like, Dad, he was puking up the next morning, oh, 67. No. I'm like, Dad, what's the matter with you? He said, oh, son, I was just proud of you. Aww. He didn't know what to do. I was like, well, I paid for all the booze. That's why you drank. <laughs> I put the free bar on. That's why you got pissed. He was getting his but, money's worth. Yeah, it's a real, um, but yeah, it's just gone a bit, um, it's gone a bit mad. Yeah gone a bit mad and I was saying to you when you came that every time I say I'm busy I feel like I'm complaining but the reality is I'm busy doing shit that lights a fire in me yeah it lights a fire in me I get to show up every day and talk to people and share my experiences and coach people me fine well going home knowing that if they do what I've said if they take their own advice on board which is what coaching is really then the kids are going to be fucked. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, knowing that is sensational. You're creating a lighthouse. Sensational eye. It's and like a butterfly effect, man. It's mad. Yeah. It's like, I remember, I remember seeing a video by, by, by Garrett actually, who's got Wake Up Warrior. He said something like, we're changing the world one person at a time because you change a person, you change the family, you change exactly. the family, you change the fucking neighborhood. Yeah. You change the neighborhood, you change the whatever they call it. And then before you know it, it's a big statement, but you're kind of changing the world. Yep. It's mad. It's a mad thing, isn't it? It's that? amazing. When you think about it, it's I like... I can't do anything nah. else. It's like, fucking hell, <laughs> we're like 13 million people have seen that video of me on the cliff. 13 million people. It's mad that. Amazing. Do you know what I mean? I've got to remind people sometimes that I work with a few guys who are they're trying to do what I do, essentially, right? Which yep. I've got no problem with. I mean, you've changed your life, mate, so have a slightly different... We have burst tons I, of one-year no beer. I like, I'm like, mate, it just... Listen, if you try and copy me, someone will call you a cunt. So just do your own version of it. Yeah. And, I, and they're like, oh, Paul, I've only got like a thousand followers. 
one of them was like, I've got 100 followers. I'm like, mate, there's 100 people in this room. Yeah. Look Think at about the, that. Is there loads of people here? Yeah, I, well, that's how many followers you got. Yeah. The size of this room. And they're like, oh, actually, yeah. Just Do you know what I mean? Keep going. Nah. Tony Robbins says it, I think, the best. He says, you know, everyone can try and copy me, but good luck catching up with me because the time you get to here, I'm going to be <laughs> six years ahead. Do you know what people laugh about Robbins? Like, they're like, oh, Paul, you're building a business that you can't sell because it's all about you. I'm like, I'm fine. Yeah. Tony Robbins does that and he lives in a castle on his own fucking island. Yeah. He's doing all right. Yeah. Uh, no, and I think I think I think it just keep going. So um and um it's uh, so it's not it's not just business coaching. No, 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 yeah. no. Okay. So biz, it's weird because I because I've got that background in business coaching. A lot of people think that's what I do, and then a lot of people who've followed me since I would say 2017, 2018 think I only do the mindset stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but what what I teach is what, what what we coach on is how to upgrade your thinking, so how to think at a higher level how to master your emotions and how to take back control of your life. That's it, really. Amazing. I hate calling it mindset coaching because it sounds fucking shit. Yeah. What I hate even more is when people call it life coaching. Yeah. Because I just get put into that fucking live, laugh, love category. Yeah. Exactly. In fact, at Nick Shaver's event, right, this is bad, this. Nick said, can you come in and speak and talk about what your experiences are, right? Let's call it how to become unfuckwithable, right? So that gets rid of the snowflake straight away. They're not going to come to that talk. <laughs> and I did, I did the support my wife's, we're feeling in control because she gets she's puking up before I speak and I'm like I'm not nervous why are you? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm excited about going. She, she gets ner- she gets nervous because she's not sure what I'm going to say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So her way of feeling in control is to make me rehearse it, which is actually incredible because it means I can go on, and it's memorable. Mm. People really remember it. That's why I keep even though I offend people, I get invited back because it's like I feel like a pro. Whereas me, if it was just left to me. I blag it a little bit. Yeah, I blag it a little bit. She's got say that a bit again, or don't say that. So anyway, I've got this slide up, and I'm like, "You guys are talking about living, laughing, and loving, and I'm talking about drinking, sniffing, and wanking." <laughs> and she said, "Take that out, <laughs> right? Take that out." I mean, I have a producer as well, right? He's a he's a he's a he's a mind reader. So he, he's done a lot of shows. He helps me basically turn a keynote into a show mm. because. I said, you know, the theatre show, I couldn't just turn up and do a keynote. But now I've taken what I've learned from that and now I'm doing what I do in a show in keynotes, which mm. no one does. And people are like, what the fuck's this? And it's got me loads of gigs on the back of it. So anyway, I did that shit. Don't say that. So I'm in Nick James' event. I've left the slide in, right? <laughs> I've left the slide in. The lit- you know what you see? My wife's at the back. you don't do oh, that. Oh, mate, I'm so bad. My wife's at the back of the room and the slide comes on and I can only see her face and she's going like that. She's going like that. And I didn't just say it. I went... You're talking about living, laughing, and loving. I'm talking about drinking, sniffing, and wanking. And I do that. And she's like, did you just fucking do that? I... So anyway, that was about life coaching. But that's the truth, right? Like, you could, essentially, I am a life coach, but I'm not the traditional live, laugh, love, universal. I'm, I'm, and I, I did Tough James Haskell's podcast a little bit. I loved that. A little bit. Loved but it. I, did that, I did a podcast with James Haskell, and he said, why is what you're doing working? Mm. And I said, because it's fucking practical. Yeah. It's not theory. Yeah. Theory doesn't cover the cost of admission and transformation. Do you know what I mean? It's action. And the way I, way I deliver it is practical. And it, I suppose it's for, when I worked with Collins last year, they're like, Paul, your stuff's for northern blokes. I'm like, well, it is. But everyone seems to be everyone that comes in seems to like it because I think, it's, you, I, I think they've missed the point. I think you could scratch the northern bit, and I think yeah. you've smashed it. Yeah, uh, you know, it blokes a hundred percent. And because and it's practical. The, the other thing, what you said about oh, I say this, and I clear the room of the snowflakes. What well, the moment 
the 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 northern bloke, right, or the the hard man oh, comes yeah. into the room. The oh, moment yeah. there's even a few softies, they're gone, right? Yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, I know yeah. what this is. Yeah. So yeah. you have to be very niched into that. And it's weird, you know. I don't do it on purpose. Yeah. I do it if I think about back to 2014. I was still trying to be a bit professional and a bit prim and proper, and I don't do it on purpose. I'm just like, if you if you don't like that, me on the stage saying that. Yeah. When we meet in person. I want to work with people who I could be mates with. And if you're offended by that, we'll never be mates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? If you're yeah. offended by me saying that, because that's nothing that. Yeah. Drinking, sniffing, and wank, and then I'd stop putting... If we're in person, I'm going to put detail on it. <laughs> I'm going to start talking about foreskin and helmets and scrotums and that. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to start, put, I'm going to start coloring it in. So if you're offended by that, we're, we're not going to be friends. Gonna... Because here's the thing. People talk about authenticity all the time. Right? I fucking hate that word. Mm, it's, yeah. it's disgusting. I learned that authenticity is just the absence of inauthenticity and inauthenticity is just, I'm not going to cover up my insecurities Yeah, because what I found from being fairly popular online is that people will be very fast to point those insecurities out. 100%. So I'm just going to fucking own them. Yeah. Same with, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Same with my imperfections. Yeah, I'm owning them. And for me, me talking about that stuff is just me. Yeah, I have a, I have a bit in my keynote that I did expert empires. Like, One of you is just thinking, this comes way too confident. One of you is thinking his accent's ridiculous. Two of you, at least, are thinking, I talk too fast. Two of you are thinking, why is he not standing still? And oh, you're all thinking something about us, so I'm just going to own it. I'm all of them things. Yeah. You think I'm too confident? I probably am. You think I swear too much? I definitely do. And I had to do that in Puerto Rico because mm. no one was there to see me. Right. The only person that knew who I was was the guy that booked me. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Yeah. They're all there to see Gary V. Who got a 300 grand keynote, by the way, wow. <laughs> which blows me out of. Oh. All there to see Gary V. None of them are there to see me. And yep. I'm like, English people can't even understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Never mind American people who don't know who I am. So I just said, you probably don't know who I am. You're here to see Gary V. So I'm going to talk really slow and I'm going to swear a lot. I'd rather do that than yeah. not have to think, is what I'm going to say upset Should people. Do you this? know what I mean? It's like, do you know what I mean? And that means the people are coming to my program. I feel like I'm coaching me mates. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I, I never so feel, I never feel like, oh, I have to turn my phone off so they don't message me when I go yeah. to an event. I'm not desperate to get away. Do you know what I mean? It means that everything that I do now can be fun as well as serious. I'm serious about getting results, but it means that I can laugh me dick off all yeah. day, every day. Yeah. And the people that are laughing with me and at me are, are, are fun to be around. And that is it. So we're not just getting people that are getting amazing results and I feel blessed. I'm, I'm getting people that I love fucking working with as well. Yeah. Because I'm filtering them out. Not even, and like I, I mean, say, it's not on purpose. Yeah. I don't directly go out to offend people. I just, I actually say things in the way that I would like them said to me. Yeah. And I joke about things that I find funny. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I've never known anyone like me for laughing at their own jokes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I think this, this, is, this is great because the inspiration to other people is there. Go out, be yourself, create a, a crew of people around you like you. People say I don't feel so like I'm enjoyable. being myself until I've had a drink. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah what? that's my favourite I, I, oh I, I don't feel like I'm being myself without a drink I'm like but you're not yourself then because you're under the influence of fucking yeah. um, um, what's it ethanol <laughs> exactly 
So um, I, I, it, I think we could carry on oh, for a lot longer. I think we could cover so much stuff. I'm, I'm confident that you're going to have more stuff to get onto now. And I've got to drive back up to Scotland. Um, but um, before one thing I, we mentioned, I just want to circle back onto oh, talking about circles. To the um, and, and, and it's something that we have in common. Now, we've got a few things in common. but um, oh, Okay, but, I'm going to have a guess, right? Yeah. You've got to see what's one or two. Is it that you've had Botox in your arsehole? Nope. Is it that you've got two arseholes? No. <laughs> Is it that the first time you had anal sex, there was sweet corn on your penis? No, I've never had anal sex. <laughs> I was saying this morning, I was saying this morning, right? I was saying to the lads this morning, I'm like, why would you even think that would be, why would you put that in the place where poop comes out of? What 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 I was going to say is <laughs> just moving back onto the topic. Just moving back onto the topic. I'm surprised you haven't that, asked a question about number one and number two. Is that uh, on James Haskell's podcast? Um, you mentioned that you've had an anal fissure. That's what it was. That was <laughs> well, that's why I had the Botox. Exactly. But so um, I just, I shared this um, this this ailment with you. Um, so um, and I, I I listened to it and I heard that you were doing this remedi- remedi- remedial stuff. Um, I do a lot of cycling, do the three one two and everything else, mm-hmm. um, and that is what really made it significantly an issue. And the pain is <sighs> unbelievable. It was horrendous for three months. I, I was unable it. to sit down. Nah. And it's, it's how debilitating is it? So debilitating. I just want to kill people. It's horrendous. Because like, ah. you feel fine when you wake up. So and then I you had, had that the first surgery. Shit. I had the surgery. So what was the surgery and did you have? Well, they go in and they, they, they cut it a bit to relax it. Oh, okay. And, but I got um, the Botox in. Right. Yeah. And that's it. I'm done now. It was instant Do you relief. know what? Do you know so. what, mate? Do you know what's mad? Sometimes I can feel it coming back. Mm. And that's why I heard that. Yeah. They told me when you feel it coming back, take stool softeners. But it comes back when I'm dehydrated. Yeah. When I'm not getting enough water in. Oh, so it's a good warner. A really good warning. It happens usually in the summer when go. I'm on holiday. Right. Because you're sweating more. And you're like, I, oh, I, I can feel it coming. It's a nice reminder. It's what I like about the body. It never lies. Yeah. Well, all I wanted to say was the surgery was painless. It was easy. And now I'm no more problems. <laughs> well, we've ended. We started We started the podcast talking about an arsehole. Yep, we did. And we've ended the podcast talking about two arseholes. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Hey, thank you so much. I've had a blast. Congratulations on your journey. And thank you, you so know, much. amazing work you're doing. And um, I am hopeful that we'll do some more stuff together. I love it, brother. So, Appreciate yeah. it. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the One Year No Beer podcast, where our mission is to share and tell the stories of the everyday heroes who are taking the steps to make a meaningful impact by changing their relationship with alcohol. If you want to join our community and find out more about the variety of benefits that you can enjoy by becoming part of our 80,000 plus members within our alcohol-free movement, then click the link in the show notes below. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.